everyone, and welcome to the Barbell Mamas podcast. My name is Christina Previtt. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, researcher in exercise and pregnancy, and a mom of two who has competed in CrossFit, powerlifting, or weightlifting, pregnant, postpartum, or both. In this podcast, we want to talk about the realities of being a mom who loves to exercise. Whether you're a recreational uh, exerciser or an athlete, we want to talk about all of the things that we go through as females going into this motherhood journey. We're going to talk about fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum topics that are relevant to the active individual. While I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, I am not your pelvic floor physical therapist and know that this podcast does not substitute medical advice. All right, come along for this journey with us while we navigate motherhood together, and I can't wait to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barbell Mamas podcast. Christina Previtt here, and today we are going to be talking all things powerlifting during pregnancy and postpartum. The sport of powerlifting has absolutely exploded in the last five years, and we are so here for it and so excited to see that growth. In the sport of powerlifting, you have three attempts to lift the most amount possible in the back squat, the bench press, and the deadlift, and it's in that order. Powerlifting is also a weight class sport. So there are a variety of different weight classes, usually between eight and nine kilos apart or 13 to 15 pounds in between weight classes. And depending on the federation that you're a part of, there's a little bit of nuance of where those weight classes are, but, and when you're actually doing the weigh-in, some individuals will do a 24 hour weigh-in where you weigh yourself the day before and then come into the meet. Others are two-hour weigh-ins where you're weighing two hours before you're supposed to start on the squat. There's a lot of kind of nuance there. Where we want to actually take this conversation today, though, is to talk about individuals who want to continue powerlifting, whether that is recreationally or competitively in their pregnant and postpartum journeys. At the Barbell Mamas, we actually have two programs specific to powerlifting, pregnant and postpartum, where we try and give you considerations and get you to continue on a program during your pregnancy and help you get back to programming postpartum in the sport of powerlifting. So the focus of these programs is on those big movements. Well, we are, there's a lot to consider when it comes to programming for the pregnant postpartum athlete. The scope of today's podcast is more to look at how we modify or things that we consider when you are pregnant, squatting, bench pressing, deadlifting, and postpartum. So that's kind of where we're going to go with today's episode. We are also going to do one on the Olympic lifts. I think we're going to try and put them out together. So this week we're going to do pregnant, postpartum, powerlifting. Next week we're going to do Olympic weightlifting so that we have a lot of these considerations. If you head to the barbellmamas.com though, we also have a ton of videos talking through some of these modifications that we use, things that we consider, how to support our core and pelvic floor when we are considering these big movements. So I encourage you to go there as well if you're looking for more in-depth information on some of these modifications. So let's talk about pregnant 
powerlifting. First of all, of course, this is a weight class sport, but during pregnancy, we know that we are going to be putting on weight for our leaner or our athletes or individuals that don't have as much body fat. You may be putting on more weight than others. We also know that weight gain is completely individual. It's a tough conversation to have. It can be very challenging from a body image perspective for individuals who are used to weighing a certain amount, or it can be very liberating, very freeing for people who have tracked and been really conscientious of their nutrition for a long time, that they can maybe ease off some of those restrictions for a little while. I've, I've kind of seen it both ways, depending on the person that I am talking to. Obviously, during pregnancy, we are not trying to minimize or gain as little as possible in general. And we should be very mindful of that in our pregnant journey. And if you are competing, we have to be kind of aware of that as well. When we think about the first trimester, I have had plenty of people who have gone on were signed up for a meet already. They decided that they were going to keep doing it. And Therefore, we're able to compete. If you were cutting and you're in the first trimester, it may not be advantageous for you to continue your cut. And you should maybe try and keep your weight fairly steady or at least try not to decrease your weight during that first trimester. And so that might mean bumping up a weight class. Or you can be like Lucy Martin's daughter, who we interviewed a little while ago, who went into a powerlifting meet and was able to compete in a powerlifting meet seven months pregnant. But, you know, she is not the norm. Um, But what we want to make sure we're considering is that we're not trying to lose weight if we are competing in powerlifting while pregnant. The next thing is how do we start modifying these movements? We're going to talk about the squat, pregnant, postpartum considerations, bench press, pregnant, postpartum considerations, and deadlift kind of in that order, because that is the order of the day if you were to compete in a meet. And we'll try and talk about as much as possible. If you have any other questions as you're listening to this episode, please do reach out so that I can answer them for you. Okay, let's start with this squat. Points of performance for the squat. In general, you're going to stand with your feet just outside your hips. Toes are slightly pointed out everybody's position of their toes relative to their body is going to be different. So you can have your toes completely forward. If you have good ankle range of motion, if you have really tight hips, you may have your toes looking like a ballerina. It really does not matter. Everybody's anatomy is going to be a little bit different, but the idea is that we are going to sit down. Our hips and knees are going to bend at the same time. Knees are going to stay over your second toe And we are going to get our hip crease below parallel. It is important in the sport of weightlift or weightlifting, the sport of powerlifting that you get that hip crease below parallel. That is a judge is going to be looking for that. And you stand back up. The important part too, from a bracing perspective is that you keep your rib cage over your pelvis. When we are bracing for the squat, generally we are using a Valsalva maneuver. So we're inhaling tightening up our cores. If somebody is going to punch us in the stomach, we are going to hold that all the way down, all the way up. Some people will let go as they get out of the hole. You know, there's a little bit of individual differences there, but in general, we are holding our breath to keep stiffness around our belly. It's going to make us feel a lot stronger and we are going to stand up in this sort of powerlifting We are also allowed to use a belt. Um, Depending on the federation, it is going to be 
a different type of belt. There may be specific brands of belts. In general, they are thicker leather belts, a lot stiffer than a a cloth belt that we see more often in CrossFit and weightlifting, but are allowed. They're either lever or prong belts. And we use those on the squat and the deadlift. Sometimes people will use them on the bench press too, but we use them in order to really get that stiffness in our belly. It allows us to lift more weight and our rate of perceived or rating of perceived exertion uh, goes down when we use these, these tools. Why am I going through the points of performance before I start talking about pregnancy and postpartum? Because from a pelvic health perspective, making sure you hit on the points of performance, making sure that you are cleaning up any positions that you get out of. If your knees start to cave in, if you're arching a little bit too much, if your hips are coming up too early, these things that your powerlifting coach is going to be talking to you about may also make you feel a bit more vulnerable from a low back or a pelvic health perspective when you are pregnant. Whenever we are seeing individuals, actually, whether you're pregnant or not, and are struggling with things like leaking, if you're peeing in the bottom of the squat, we are going to make sure that your movement pattern is clean as the first thing that we do. Because for some individuals, for example, if you're arching your back when you are squatting, it's really hard to brace your core. I want you to try and do it now. If you're in your car, if you're listening to me on a podcast or on a walk, I want you to kind of keep your rib cage stacked over your pelvis and brace your core. And then I want you to arch your back as hard as you can and try and tighten up your belly. It is a lot harder to do that in an arch position than in a ribs stacked over pelvis position. That also puts our pelvic floor in a more lengthened position. We put a little bit more pressure on our the front of our pelvic floor. That is where our bladder is, our urethra is, so we can be a little bit more prone to leaking in those positions. And so by cleaning up your mechanics, it is going to be the first thing that we do if you're experiencing any pelvic issues. And it's going to be something that we're going to hold you to a standard to during pregnancy as well. You're probably thinking, Christina, when I was three in my third trimester and I was super pregnant, there was no way that I was able to keep all of those points of performance for the squat. And that might absolutely be true. Like we see people that have shorter torsos and really big bellies or they're pregnant with twins that of course they're going to be in a little bit more of an arched position, but we want to at least try the best we can to stay in that strong position so that we can feel really supported and really strong when we're squatting. As you kind of go through your pregnancy, what are ways that we are going to modify? The first thing is that we may modify our width of our feet, feet being about hip width apart. When we are really pregnant, depending on the size of your belly, you may feel more comfortable bringing your feet out a little bit wider in order to make room for baby bump. We also are going to be really focusing on keeping those knees out over those toes. Some people may also externally rotate or bring their toes uh, out wider to the sides of them. So instead of their toes being forward, your toes are going to inch out so that you look a little bit more like a ballerina in order for um, baby bump to have room and for it to feel really comfortable in that squat. 
for some people because of the circulating hormones that makes their joints a little bit more flexible, they may actually experience a little bit of an increase in the range of motion for their squat. So they may have been squatting or you have may have been squatting if you're listening to this while you're pregnant and you get to parallel, but you got some tight hips, you got some tight ankles. And all of a sudden those pregnancy hormones are flowing and you're like, oh my goodness, my butt is touching my calves. Like, I don't even understand what's going on right now. And, you know, some people will see that big difference. If that is you know that one, we're, we're going to try and do a full range of motion squat, whatever that means for you in your pregnancy or whatever that means for you as a person. But you may not feel super strong in those new ranges of motion. So you may feel like you have to dial back your weight because your range of motion is increasing. That is okay. That's going to make you strong. And that's going to make you really supported in all the muscles around your hips and pelvis. Um, And hopefully maybe can hold on to that range of motion in the postpartum period. If you keep squatting to that depth, we're going to see a change potentially of where your feet are. You may bring your feet out a little bit wider, bring your toes out a little bit more and your range of motion might change. I talked about an increase in range of motion, but some people may also feel like they want to decrease their range of motion. They may feel like in the bottom of the squat, it just doesn't feel comfy anymore. It feels really cringy. You may feel a bit vulnerable there. Again, everybody is going to be different. So if that is you, putting a target to reach to can also be helpful. Yeah, that can be a med ball or a wall ball. That can be a low box. That can be a bench. Find the range that works for you and then try and keep that that performance, like all those coaching cues in mind within the range of motion that you are going to. So change of range of motion. The third thing that I often get asked is, do I need to start doing Kegels or pelvic floor muscle contractions during the squat? The answer is no. When you are pregnant, I know we, this is oftentimes the first time in our life where we're thinking about our pelvic floor in exercise, but our body is going to contract our pelvic floor, especially if we don't have any leaking the amount that it needs to, and your pregnancy progresses relatively slowly. And so the muscles in our pelvic floor will meet that task. So as you are lifting during your pregnancy, your body will adapt to the increase in weight and some of the shifting that you're experiencing. And so you don't need to override and be consciously squeezing your pelvic floor during the squat. And this is going to be true for any of the movements that we're talking about. We may cue you for coordination or the timing of that pelvic floor contraction. If you are experiencing linking in these movements, whether you're pregnant, postpartum, or have never had kids before. But it is important for us to to not have to squeeze too hard because then what can happen is we'll flip onto the other side and we're making our pelvic floor work too much for the amount of work that we're trying to do during that squat movement. So we don't have to cue the pelvic floor. The fourth thing is that we do want to continue bracing. Sometimes social media can make it seem like we should never brace our bellies during a movement, but Bracing is a really important part, one of performance, but also it's from a safety perspective, we want to continue bracing because bracing allows for support around our core and our spine, and it keeps us feeling strong and helps prevent injuries. When we think about cues for the pregnant squat, I oftentimes get individuals to inhale and then as they're exhaling, 
hug their baby. Bracing is important in the squat. As soon as a barbell is on your back, not as soon as you start squatting, as soon as the barbell is on your back, your body should be ready. And that may mean that we're kind of a little bit braced as we walk out, but it is important that we do not just think, don't think about any of our bracing strategies anymore, anymore, because we are pregnant. That is not going to harm baby. There is nothing bad that is going to happen through bracing. You are just going to feel stronger and more supported in the squat when you brace. The next thing, number five is do we hold our breath or how do we change our breath strategy during the pregnant squat? I've changed my mind on this. Um, and it's interesting to see where the research has gone on this in the last little while. Three years ago, Christina would have said that we should absolutely avoid Valsalva if we can, and that we should be breathing out on exertion to bring the pressure gauge down on our pelvic floor. If you listen to our bracing podcast, you'll know that I have changed my mind on this for a couple of reasons. One, we have two research studies that have looked at blood pressure and blood responses to mom and baby when moms are doing the Valsalva maneuver with lifting. And both of those studies have not seen any bad effects to mom or bad effects to baby when they are bracing. That means that we don't have any research that says that it is bad. And that was one thing that people used to say, your blood pressure goes up. It's going to affect baby. High blood pressure is bad for baby. Uh, we don't have, we don't have research that supports that. We actually have two research studies that now show that that's actually not true. And then the other thing was that you shouldn't have Valsalva because your pelvic floor is under so much strain. And so you don't want to put it under more strain. You're going to cause pelvic floor issues postpartum. We really don't have, again, any research that supports that. It's just kind of a theory that has gone around. Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Like it, it kind of checks the box on the logical side. But we don't see why when I looked at our cross-sectional study, when individuals continued to Valsalva during pregnancy, we didn't see that they'd had an increased risk of postpartum pelvic floor dysfunction. And when your body is used to bracing, I also feel like there is this learning effect that happens. I wouldn't have a person who's never power lifted in their life at six months pregnant, start Valsalving and lifting and squatting heavy weight that their body isn't accustomed to. But if I have a person who has been Valsalving, the bracing strategies or the breath strategies that I start to educate people on is variable. Like here are options for breathing and you're going to figure out what works for you. In both my pregnancies, Valsalving did not feel that great. Um, for some reason, I don't know if it was kind of in my mind that I thought it was bad. So it didn't feel good on my body. I don't, I don't really know, but I've had some people who have you know, PR their deadlift at 40 weeks pregnant, held their breath the whole time. And they felt like a, a stud, like just feeling like a rock star because they felt so strong. Again, it's going to be really dependent then. So those are kind of considerations for the pregnant squat. And then kind of lastly, number six is we're going to be probably modifying the load. Our center of gravity is going to shift, especially with the, the back squat. A lot of people feel like the front squat is actually a lot. Um, sometimes again, there's so much variation. Some people feel like it's easier because they're not bending their backs forward as much. So it feels more comfortable, but then other people feel like it's a lot harder on the core, especially a lengthened core during pregnancy. So they actually hate it. So 
It really does depend on the person. I have found that more people find the back squat a bit easier than the front squat. Um, but again, there's going to be lots of considerations. However, towards the end of pregnancy, uh, not so much in the deadlift. I see a lot more uh, deadlift PRs than squat PRs. Um, a lot of people just don't feel that they can push the squat as much towards the end of their pregnancy and will dial the weights back. They may go to higher repetitions. They may go to pause variations or tempos just to keep the stimulus of your workout. But know that for most people, weights on the back squat and front squat are going to go down towards the end of your pregnancy, whether you're really training it hard or not. Okay. So those are kind of pregnant considerations. Then we go into the postpartum considerations. So when we're thinking about getting back to squatting postpartum, um, we want to continue full range of motion. We may start with awareness of the pelvic floor by doing a tiny pelvic floor contraction at the beginning of our repetition. So as you're kind of starting to get ready for your squat, you're going to contract your pelvic floor, go down, go up, release. We don't stay there for very long, but if you've had a vaginal birth, it may feel a little bit better to reconnect with that system because of that injury to the pelvic floor. And especially in the early rehab phase, it may feel a bit better. Things that we are thinking about with the squat are how much load we have on the bar. The best way to return postpartum is to start with an empty barbell and then add five to 10 pounds every time you squat. And that's going to re respect where your pelvic floor is from a, a rehab perspective and your core. If you've had a C-section and you have an incision, it's going to be harder to feel like you can brace because it's going to be tight. That scar tissue is going to be there. It's for both types of delivery, whether it was a vaginal delivery or a cesarean, you're going to have to get a little bit more reintegration with your core. So there's a lot that are kind of considered being considered there and they all come into effect with our squat. So start with that empty bar, add five to 10 pounds, and you're going to see that you're going to be in weights that are heavy in no time. Some of the pelvic floor issues that we see come up um, tend to be either leaking in the bottom of the squat or heaviness. When we are early postpartum, that heaviness or feeling of like the, there's like a dragging sensation or there's a lot of blood flow, much of that is like a fatigue or a delayed onset muscle soreness of the pelvic floor. It is not a sign that you've spontaneously ruined your pelvic floor or done any type of damage. It is like legitimately like a heavy leg day for your pelvic floor, especially one that is having, has had an injury, right? Especially if you have had a vaginal delivery, because there is just so much strengthening that needs to happen there in order for you to feel supported and for you to feel really strong. If you have had a vaginal birth, it is important for you to know that you are going to feel more movement. Or if you had a trial of labor that ended in a C-section, if you started pushing and then you had a C-section, this is true for you too. You are going to feel more up and down movement and more range of motion down there than you did before. That is normal. You definitely notice that on the squat. And I remember when I was early postpartum with my daughter, now this is like four years ago now, but it was concerning. Like it was hard to know what is normal and what isn't. 
but that increase in range of motion is normal and it will improve a little bit, but I, I don't know if it's like it improves or you just stop noticing it because you're not so acutely postpartum and you just get used to the differences in your postpartum body than where you were prior to your pregnancy. And so just kind of, I always try and tell my pregnant athletes this because I think that knowing it will make it less scary that you will potentially notice that. And if you don't, that's cool. But if you do, that's cool too, because some people are just a bit more sensitive to those areas of their bodies than others. Okay. So those are kind of postpartum considerations. If you have that heaviness, it is a sign that you have just done a good amount of work. You may notice it for 24 to 48 hours, similar to delayed onset muscle soreness. Usually that is when our, we hit that fatigue point. It's a good rehab stimulus for that day. And then we're going to come back a couple of days later and do it again. But if it is persistent or you are starting to feel more symptoms, then you can reach out to a provider who will be able to help you kind of figure out what that is for you. And if there's any ways that you can tweak the way that you are bracing so that you can minimize some of your symptoms from a breath perspective, we usually train a free breathing. When the weight is light, we switch to exhaling on the hard part of the movement for the squat that's getting out of the hole. And then we start adding in Valsalva, which is that brace that hold that breath hold brace. And then we add weightlifting belts. Everybody's timeline is going to be different, but when we looked at kind of what individuals said that they got back to between four and five and a half months postpartum, people were starting to Valsalva and they were adding weightlifting belts between five and six and a half months postpartum. Again, everybody's uh, postpartum timeline is going to be different. I do not encourage in the first three months using a weightlifting belt. The reason why I say this is because that is often when we are using a weightlifting belt as a crutch for not feeling strong, rather than doing the foundational core and pelvic floor rehab that we need. You can still squat, you can still lift heavy loads, but I do not want you to, to rely on your, your belt for a 40% squat which is kind of where we're at in those first six weeks in the rehab process. If you're starting at six weeks postpartum, you need to earn your Valsalva. You need to earn your weightlifting belt. And we do that when we're approaching heavier loads and not heavier loads for the pelvic floor. I'm talking about heavier loads for the entire body. And it takes time for us to get back to those loads. And for most people, I would say that you are not approaching those weights at 12 weeks postpartum. So we are not using a weightlifting belt. And we also don't have any research on the impact of using a weightlifting belt that early postpartum, not to create fear if this was you, but more just to make sure that we're doing our due diligence from a rehab perspective when we are thinking about, you know, body readiness for a lot of these. So those are kind of big considerations for the squat. And there's going to be some common themes that come into the bench press and the deadlift. So we, we can go through those next to a little bit quicker, but know that there are some considerations during pregnancy. You can absolutely keep squatting full depth as you're returning to these things postpartum. You want to take a gradual approach, be mindful of pelvic floor issues if they creep up, but we don't need to be afraid of them. We're just figuring out where your body's threshold is relative to where you are since having baby. And then we're going to take a very gradual approach, both to the weight on the bar, 
sometimes to range of motion, depending on how you're feeling. And then the way that we manipulate our breath and then use things like a belt in order to help generate force that's going to allow us to lift more weights. Okay. Let's switch gears into the bench press. When we're thinking about the bench press, the thing during pregnancy that comes up the most is, can I lift on my back? When we are thinking about lifting on our back or doing any type of exercise on our back, there is a concern for a a condition called supine hypotensive syndrome. This is where the weight of the baby as it comes out of the pelvis puts pressure on a vein called the inferior vena cava. And that can stop blood flow to the placenta, potentially stop blood flow to the lower limb and is a issue sometimes in pregnancy. And it is why we are told after week 20, not to sleep on our back and to sleep on our side. And the question is one, how much of a concern is this Two, what's the difference with exercise versus sleeping? Cause one is eight hours versus the other is kind of transient because we're moving around And then what do I need to look out for, for exercising on your back? If you are experiencing supine hypotensive syndrome, you are going to feel unwell. In general, you can feel a little bit of dizziness, some nausea, just all of it. Like you just don't feel good on your back and your body is going to send signals to get you out of that position. There's a lot of people, for example, that are sleeping. They start sleeping on their side and then they wake up on their back at one or two. That was your body telling you like, oh, this doesn't feel good for me anymore. And you just wake up and you turn to your side. It is not a thing to be fearful of. It is something to be mindful of. I have had some clients who immediately, even if they're warming up doing glute bridges, they feel unwell. That is your sign that you should not be bench pressing on your back. That's not what's going to feel good for you. Versus other people have been able to be on their back for a pelvic floor exam for 30, 40 minutes and feel absolutely fine. It's going to depend on the person. It's going to depend on your anatomy, the size of your baby, where is baby sitting relative to your, your veins and arteries. If you are feeling unwell, that is your sign that you are not exercising on your back. We did have a research study, a systematic review that brought together a bunch of research papers that showed that there was no adverse events to mom or baby if you exercised on your back. In general, people start being symptomatic for clinical hypotensive syndrome after seven minutes, which is not the amount of time that we stay on our back when we are bench pressing. And therefore, I do not make a blanket statement that you should not be bench pressing on your back during pregnancy at any point throughout your pregnancy. I tell you the symptoms to be looking out for. I give options and we keep going. If you are feeling symptomatic for a bench press, we are going to get you into an incline position. So modification for feeling bad on your back is an incline position. Know that you are not going to be as strong because you're not as trained on incline bench press as you are on a flat back bench press. And so bring your weights down a little bit. Don't just have 80% on the bar. And then you're like, Ooh, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to incline and use the same load. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Um, bring the weight down and try and figure out what your relative percentages are, what your amount of effort is in an incline position compared to the weights that you use on a flat. When it comes to the bench press too, I often now think that it's, if you were a power lifter, 
that you are not going to be as at risk for clinical supine hypotensive syndrome because of the way that you bench press. So when we think about the points of performance for the bench, we are going to have our barbell up and over our body. We are going to pin our shoulder blades into the bench. When we do that, our back is naturally going to arch. Some competitors will try to really accentuate that arch because it lowers our range of motion that we have to go with the bar. But for pregnant individuals, I don't recommend this hyper exaggeration of our lumbar spine. Oftentimes it just doesn't feel good. But what that's going to do is it's not going to put you flat on your back to compress that uh, inferior vena cava. It's going to kind of tilt you. And what I've noticed is that there's a lot of people who are able to bench press all the way up until delivery because of that. So interesting to, to kind of see some of these considerations. And again, we're just, we're going with symptoms. Don't over-exaggerate your arch, but you are going to keep arching because it's a safety or a performance piece for the bench press. You really want to keep those shoulder blades pinned back so that you don't get any increased front to back movement of the shoulder to make sure that our bicep tendons and our pecs and our shoulders don't get cranky with bench press. For the bench press, um, I have a lot of people continue bracing during this movement. Um, reason for that being is one, it's not unsafe to bench press during from a Valsalva mom baby perspective, but also because you're on your back, that Valsalva isn't actually going to increase the strain on your pelvic floor because you're in a pelvic floor rest position ish. You know, all your core canister is going to be working during a bench press, but you're not in a standing position with an additional load on your back. So a lot of people will continue valsalving with a bench press from a load perspective. Um, you can also exhale as you kind of come off your chest kind of as an aside, but um, you don't have to change your breath strategy. Just do whatever breath strategy works for you. And from a load perspective, this is probably one of those movements in pregnancy that don't go down as much. You may see that you'll bring the weight down a little bit. Um, however, um, this is one that you can really maintain a lot of your weight if you choose to during your pregnancy. Um, as you're kind of on your back and the positions of, of baby switch, like sometimes if you're exhaling on exertion versus valsalving, it may change a bit how strong you feel, but it's important that you kind of do what feels comfortable for you, but you can continue to lift relatively heavy. The bench press was one of those movements during both of my pregnancies where it like made, felt like the saving grace, like the bench press never failed me because all of my other movements I was modifying or bringing down the weight. And this one, I, I didn't have to as much. So it felt kind of good to be bench pressing relatively heavy um, up until, you know, pretty close to delivery. When you go into the postpartum period, again, this one is a nicer one to get back to postpartum. It's one that I like putting into programs really early because again, your pelvis is sitting against the bench. So yes, you're going to have some increase in uh, interabdominal pressure or pressure in the belly. Most of the times it's less than the amount of pressure that you need in order to carry a newborn baby in a car seat and bring them inside. A lot of individuals will get back to this starting with their knees up um, on the bench, especially if they've had a C-section, because getting into that arch position with your feet on the ground can sometimes feel like a pull on a freshly post-operative C-section scar. Something to consider that you may have to gradually increase the amount of arch or extension or the position of your legs, like starting with your feet propped up on the bench, bring it down to 
be each foot on plates and then bring it down to the floor so that you don't feel any pain or that real blink pulling sensation that is outside of your tolerance as you're getting back to doing bench press postpartum. For individuals who did not have a C-section, they're not going to have that same consideration, but you can, again, manipulate breast strategy, whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal birth in order to start increasing the load, starting with an empty bar or a light amount of weight, bringing the weight down. If you feel like you're very swollen still, or still bleeding, exhaling as you come off the chest, will feel a little bit better. Um, but you know, Personally, I was back to bench pressing 75 to 85 pounds in the first week postpartum. Now I understand that I am not the norm and uh, I like to use my own pregnancies as a bit of an experiment for so many different things, but it definitely felt good to be lifting. My feet were up on the bench. My pelvis was super supported. I wasn't doing anything really heavy for me, but um, I started that relatively early postpartum. So things to to think about are, are ways that we can progress. Again, this is also a nice from a breath strategy. Like this is a nice movement to start valsalvaing again or playing around with that harder brace because our pelvis is not in a loaded position. So we can see how we feel, how strong we feel during these movements. And we can keep going from there, continuing to load up on the bar. All right, final one is going to be the deadlift. The deadlift points of performance, we're thinking from a conventional deadlift perspective, we're starting with our feet underneath our hips. We're going to do a big bend at the hips, little bend at the knees, back is going to be straight, the spine holds the line, we're going to push through our feet, standing up, keeping the bar as close to us as possible. If we are doing a sumo deadlift, our feet are going to be outside of our shoulders. Our toes are going to be slightly pointed out. We are going to wedge our hips down into the bar so that we're kind of in this hybrid squat deadlift position, and we are going to stand up. In general, for pregnancy, a sumo deadlift may feel more comfortable than a conventional deadlift because of baby bump hitting the thighs. Postpartum. Generally, a conventional deadlift does not feel as vulnerable as a sumo deadlift because of the position of our legs. If we had a vaginal birth, that wide sumo deadlift position and the pull of the adductors or those muscles on the inside of our thighs can feel very vulnerable and something that we may have to work up to. But we'll, we'll get to that postpartum period. For the points of performance for the deadlift, it is really important that our back stays in a neutral position and that as we're coming up off the ground, we start to rise with our chest coming up and our chest is staying in that straight position. We do not want to look like a dog pooping as we are getting up. Um, and towards the end of our pregnancy, if you are doing a conventional deadlift, sometimes it can be hard in that bottom position, that starting position to keep our back really straight. So two of the modifications that we use, if you are having trouble in the bottom of the squat because of the size of baby bump hitting your thighs, is the first thing we're going to do is bring our feet out a little bit wider. Instead of feet being underneath our hips, we might come out to underneath our shoulders. May not feel as strong potentially, but you'll definitely be in a better starting position. The next thing that we'll do is we'll come up to a height. So we will start the pull 
maybe at the knee or just below so that it just puts our back at a different angle so that baby bump has a bit more room and we're going to be able to pull from there. Generally, if you're a person that if you're going to fail the deadlift, you're going to fail it off the floor. You may feel actually stronger changing the range of motion and bringing the bar up a little bit. So when it comes to what weight you're going to use on the bar, just be kind of conscientious of that and play around with where your rating of perceived exertion is and kind of stay within the ranges that you have set for your program. But we want to just make sure that we keep ourselves to that standard where we're going to try and stay neutral. Same thing for the squat. When we get to a certain point in our pregnancy, it may be hard to be kind of really stacked ribcage over pelvis. But we're going to try as best we can in order to try and stay in a really strong position uh, when it comes to the pull, especially off the floor. When we're thinking about a sumo deadlift, the position of our feet doesn't need to change. Um, But for some individuals, they'll bring their hands out a little bit wider because baby bump is going to get in the way and our arms are going to bend if we are trying to stay very narrow. And so we want to make sure that our elbows stay locked up the entire time for both the conventional and the sumo deadlift. But because in the sumo deadlift, our hands are inside of our feet. We just want to potentially play with the position of our hands if we need to, in order for baby to feel like uh, they have plenty of room. The bracing strategies, we're still going to try and hug baby. How we breathe is going to be very similar to the squat. We can Continue holding our breath if we'd like to. A lot of people will choose to exhale on exertion. The deadlift from a load perspective is probably the one that I see most people PRing their deadlift during their pregnancies. I always joke that mass moves mass. And so sometimes that extra weight that you're carrying with your pregnancy can lead to deadlift PRs, not all the time, but sometimes. And so we posted on the Barbell Mama's Instagram accounts a couple of times of individuals who are like, 40 plus two, I think. And she, uh, she was able to PR her deadlift. So, um, in terms of, of weight, again, this is going to be very dependent. If you have pelvic pain or pelvic heaviness, then you're probably going to modify this exercise down, maybe choose conventional over sumo deadlift. But if you are not, um, this might be an opportunity for you to continue lifting relatively heavy. Um, Again, um, it is totally individualized. And I would encourage you to kind of play around with how you are feeling. Um, there um, is no, no steady kind of rule on that. In the postpartum period, it's going to be the same progressions as the squat. We're going to start low load, breathing out freely, then breathing out to exertion, and then Valsalva, and then the weightlifting belt. In terms of pelvic issues, leaking with the deadlift is probably the most common one that we see. Part of that is because of the weight on the bar. People just tend to be strongest in the deadlift compared to the other movements. The other thing is that in like a sumo deadlift position, for example, that wedge down can kind of increase our likelihood of bearing down as we're pushing through our feet. So we want to make sure that we're bracing the right way so that we're putting all of the pressure through our, our entire belly rather than down towards the pelvic floor, especially a healing postpartum, um, pelvic floor. But in terms of all of the timelines of when to use a belt, when to Valsalva, they're going to be very similar to the squat. And we want to make sure that we are gradually increasing the load. We hold ourselves to the line of how our positions look. Um, sometimes I can see people who don't have the core strength yet, And they're kind of pushing through it and they're looking very slinky back or dog debt pooping back. Like use your postpartum journey as a way to clean up any technique issues that you were seeing and 
I have seen so many moms come back stronger postpartum, you know, very counter to what social media and society messaging can be. Uh, because they used it kind of as a chance to really get their core strong, work on those technique things, put in some extra accessory works for the hip and the lower core. And then they come back so strong in their postpartum period because they did the thing. Like they did all that foundational work that's so important that we have this reason to do it in the postpartum period. And when we're not in that pregnant postpartum part of our life, sometimes it just seems like, oh, I'll get to it. Or you do it kind of half, I don't want to, swear because I don't know what explicit is, but like you don't do it to the, to the extreme or to the extent that you probably should, because there's so many other things competing with your time. All right. This is for being a lot longer episode than I thought, but I think that we covered everything that I wanted to cover in the squat bench and deadlift. If you have any questions, if you have any specific medical things that are going on or sensations that you're feeling, uh, make sure to check in with your provider about that, whether that's a pelvic PT, a pregnant uh, postpartum fitness coach, or your physician or midwife that you're feeling these things and see what they say. If you have any other questions about our uh, pregnant or postpartum powerlifting programs, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll be back next week talking about pregnant and postpartum modifications or considerations in the Olympic weightlifting movements. All right. Have a wonderful day, everyone. And we will see you all next week.